welcome once again into the Soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 51. Over the hump of a half century. And we're just getting better. Thanks for everyone who tuned in. Our Hercules Gomez pod, one of our best performers, as I was expecting. I thought it was really good. Enjoyed our conversation. Please check out the podcast. Subscribe, share, rate, review. All the feedback is very important in helping us establish a bigger footprint. Great show this week. As always, it goes without saying. Joining me today, Adam Bells of Scuffed Podcast. We will talk about the phenomenon of U.S. soccer, where it's going, and can it get there? (laughs) We'll also be in stoppage time. We'll talk a little bit about the selection of the U.S. men's national team and the three games that will lie ahead for them this week and into next week. Really an opportunity to take that World Cup bid with two hands. A lot going on. We'll also look back at some of the AFCON action as well as everything in Europe. We try to cover a lot of bases, but we keep it specific too. Let's get going with the show. Hey everybody, I'm sure you were... uh, Watch some NFL this weekend. That was a that was a good hoot. Saying the best weekend in NFL history. You know, we see how big the National Football League is, and weekends like this will just make it get bigger, catching the imagination. I watched some of all of them. All these games were really good. And I'm not always a big uh, champion of the NFL. I think it's boring. It's a lot of stoppages, over-officiated. But man, they did a really good job this weekend. With memorable games in the cold in Green Bay, won by a kick at the death in Nashville, won by a kick at the death by the Cincinnati Bengals, long the laughing stock of the NFL. Tampa Bay and Tom Brady have a big lead. They let it get away. And pardon me, the Rams let it get away. Tom Brady ties it, and then the Rams win it in uh, with a field goal at the death. So make it three out of three. And then the best game, the Bills and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I mean, I can't, you have to see out the highlights. But that was sandwiched in. I saw a lot of soccer peeps really engaged with it and waxing poetic of the NFL. It just just goes to show that is a monster and these rights fees and everything that comes with it is out of this world. Hope you've been watching uh, AFCON. I feel a little bit guilty. So recording this on a Sunday night, Monday, I think 11 a.m. Pacific time, my adopted Comoros will be playing in the round of 16 against the host of Cameroon. So I ordered a Comoros t-shirt, which I will take a photo and put on my Instagram tomorrow. However, moments after I bought that t-shirt, I got the news. 12 members of the Comoros team have COVID, including the coach, including all the goalkeepers. They don't even have a goalkeeper. So it's not going to be pretty, I don't think. But they got there. I did a little home. You know, I didn't even know Comoros was a country. I didn't. Now, it's uh, on uh, Eastern Africa, in uh, between the coast, like Tanzania, so east, southeast, kind of in between the coastline and Madagascar. So, add it to the list of places we would like to go one day. I don't know. I mean, that seems like it's going to be very difficult to go. But I'm happy to see them have success. Learn a little bit. I always say to people when you watch this sport, if you can really improve your history, your geography, your knowledge of flags and capitals and culture, it, it covering this sport makes you really smart. I really, I really think it equipped me. I find myself to be really good with people who are maybe not from the United States and I'm on your toes and you smart. Football and soccer, you can always kind of get back into and discuss. So now I have something to discuss Via this sport for people from Comoros. I'll still wear the shirt tomorrow. Hopefully it, uh, hopefully things work out. It's competitive. We had, uh, was it Burkina Faso make it through? Tunisia move, make it through? Ghana and Algeria have been sent home early. Nigeria is out. I don't know who's going to win it. It could be interesting. Uh, the uh, Burkina Faso goalkeeper with the celebration, the best celebration I've seen in a long time. He did like 12 backflips in about three seconds. Incredible athleticism. So we're going to wrap up for the international week here and uh, games everywhere. We all watched, you know, the U.S. men's national team players. you got to watch games where they're featured in. We got to see Josh Sargent score two goals. I predicted on Twitter, if you saw the account. Weston McKinney continues to play an important role, play in multiple positions. 
And we got a, a good look at a, a bunch of guys. So it all goes into the mix because the U.S. needs to hit the ground running on the 27th when they take on El Salvador in Columbus, Ohio. Um, Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea, they get the result. And that was a good result because Tottenham Hotspur were playing lights out. I mean, they were really good. And Chelsea were able to just possess them to death and then finally come through in the second half. Huge, huge result for them because now they head off. They have an FA Cup game. Then they have the Club World Cup. So we're not going to see a game for them in the Premier League in some time. So that was huge for them. Can you imagine they left with a loss? It wouldn't be good. You know, Chelsea uh, swinging in the right direction. Manchester United, an incredible goal to beat my West Ham. I hated the result. I got up really early to watch it. It kicked off at 6 a.m. Pacific time. I always talk about the times. I'm sorry. And I was so disappointed. But I watched the Manchester United goal again, and it really was something. A, a terrific team goal. Barcelona get a win. It wasn't pretty, man. They're like an old pair of tennis shoes. They ain't pretty, but they're getting the job done, which is not what you ever would have said about Barcelona. But plugging along and... There you have it. Very special guest coming up, Adam Bells. I've really been taken by the the media scene in our sport. A lot of it is grassroots, starting from scratch. Guys with an, an idea and then an execution. And the Scuff podcast is growing with Adam holding the reins and Greg Velasquez and uh, Chris Russell Watke. And they do a nice program. And it's it's entertaining. It's funny. And there's a lot going on there. And we talked about the guys on YouTube carving out their own niche. These are not, you know, trained media folks, but there's room for them. And they've got a following and they've done it on their own without any help. So uh, they have a voice and I want to hear about it. And I want to hear about how these things got started. So we'll be joined here by Adam Bells of the Scuff Podcast. We'll talk about starting a podcast. So if you're thinking about it, there is proof that you can start something, be patient, think of a good idea, and it can be successful maybe you know look at these guys Matteo Bonetti and guys that started on YouTube or Jimmy Conrad who worked and worked and now they work at networks this is the path to take if you want to get in the media it's all I mean from 10 years ago when I got started it has changed completely you try to get to these big networks you needed like 15 years experience uh, in small markets yada yada and then you get the gig not anymore you carve your own identity. You build your own platform. And that's very fulfilling, no? So we'll get to that. Stoppage time. We'll talk about the uh, World Cup qualifiers for the U.S., Mexico, Canada, and all the others. Let's get started. This is the Soccer OG. We are back, and we're going to do a little synergy here between the soccer podcast. One of the the breakthrough hits in the space right now and for the last few years scuff podcast you know adam bells and greg velasquez and watke and vince the whole crew and we're happy to welcome in adam who i have uh, already told and i will tell him again has one of the if not the best speaking voice in our community certainly on the mount rushmore of it let's let's hear those oh, let man. me hear those bells right there thank you max i appreciate that <laughs> hey, uh, I, we have a, we're going to talk. I mean, we'll talk a lot about the United the uh, United States as they get ready here for this pivotal World Cup um, qualifying stretch. This three games, two at home and away. Talk about the selections, but I, I wanted to start with with Scuff because it, it's been a runaway hit. It I I I, I what kind of how did it come to be, and what mm. was the work like that you put in? Because I watched these things develop before me. And they pick up steam and then they get creative and then they're in the bloodstream. And I think Scuffed was certainly one of those. Yeah, well, I, sh I should say you and Herc are one of the, you know, one of the few, you know, back when you guys were still doing the podcast together, the big guys who actually paid attention to us. So I appreciate that a lot. Um, but uh, I started as a newsletter. I was a reporter at the Minneapolis Star Tribune, the daily newspaper in the Twin Cities, one of the two daily newspapers in the Twi Twin Cities. And I, I love soccer and Greg and I would text back and forth about it a lot. He's a friend of mine from way back because uh, we both grew up in Iowa. We met in Des Moines as adults. Um, uh, I was making, I was writing this newsletter and I was trying to convince Greg to do a podcast with me for a while. And, um, and 
Daryl Grove, the late Daryl yes, Grove yes. from the Total Soccer Show, he accepted a pitch from me to do a show about fullback prospects. I was watching a, a guy named Anthony Robinson play at, um, I think it was at Bolton. And he was like, you know, his first year as a first team player. And I was like, Daryl, we got to do it. We got to talk about these guys. Cause he was, he was reading the newsletter and emailing back and forth with me. We tried it. I thought it was fun to do a podcast. And then, like I said, I tried to convince Greg to do it. It took me a few months, but Greg came around and I mean, it's, you, you called it a runaway hit in the opening. I mean, we're still a pretty small podcast. I mean, we're not, you know, but you know what, Adam, when I hear, when I hear people look at, like you mentioned Max and Herc and, we had ESPN behind us, so we already have a big advantage. But when you mentioned Scuffed and the Total Soccer Show, these are things that started grassroots and get a following. That's a testament to you. But I think, I mean, when I when I talk to people about the podcast space, because I entered it recently, Scuffed mm-hmm. comes up time and time again. And there's a very honest uh, vein to it where it's people trust it and it's got a great formula. And then you got your, your dulcet tones. But it's, I mean, a lot of, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, you're, you've gone through to places at ESPN, you've gone through at MLS, you know, you're recognized there. I mean, that's a lot of hard work and should be pretty proud. You should be pretty proud of it. It is very young, but I mean, from the, the way you're starting, uh, from, from where you started to where you're at, you've got to be uh, pretty impressed. I am. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that so many people listen to us and, you know, there, we have a lot of people giving us money on Patreon, which is our business model. And, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy about that. But I, I just want to be clear, like, you know, we're still a pretty niche podcast. The thing is, there aren't that many podcasts, as you know, that talk exclusively about the U.S. men's national team. And, you know, like pe- people know when they pull up one of our episodes, it's going to be about the USMNT. I mean, yeah, you don't really talk about you. Won't, I mean, you, there's, there's things that connect it. So you can talk about the club game in Europe through the U.S. players, obviously. But exactly. Generally, it's very specific. Yeah. I mean, and, and with me, I wanted to be I'd love to be more specific. I, and when I'm not. Uh, I do a YouTube program when I'm specific about the USMNT, you get traffic when I do this and I get off, uh-huh. you know, people as an American, they want to hear your American takes. It makes sense. But it's so tempting to get out and and, and talk about the big topics, the big games, those kind of things that we see on a regular basis. But it's it, it's a bit of a dilemma, but- uh, It is it, a dilemma. It, it is. is a, I mean, it's hard to say because you want to talk and you're really, is this, is, is this going to, is this going to make an impression? Which it, it, eventually many times it does not. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least for my, for my, my practice. That's an insecurity of mine a little bit that we, you know, sometimes let our listeners down by not being- um, sort of uh broad-minded enough you know not um not as wide ranging in what we're doing it, uh shit yeah, sorry. <laughs> well i i will uh i will just continue and say that the you know i've been at this for longer than i can or mention but when i look at the audience the sophistication level is improving by leaps and bounds and you don't if you have a take that's kind of half baked you will they will call you on it they will come out yeah. to you and then it's i, I always i always think that because i would i cut loosely prepare on some things and i go i don't do that anymore because even something i'll say on youtube or on a podcast or it comes back to you if it's not watertight so do you think that's true do you think that's as true like do you think you're it's easier to get away with saying stuff on the podcast than it is saying stuff on Twitter. I find that that's the case. If I want to say yeah. something controversial, like uh, I don't like the way Christian Pulisic played last night, you know, yeah. if you want to say something like that, I'm much more likely to say that. I mean, I don't say that kind on of the stuff pod. on Twitter anymore. You yeah, I'll say it on the pod. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The Twitter gets you in, in trouble and I pick fights that I'm like, what am I doing? Uh, but sometimes it escalates. You'll say something, you figure it's pretty innocuous. And then all of a sudden you have it coming from 10 directions and oh you're ever, a, you're a peacemaker you're a peacemaker on oh, twitter i, I appreciate oh, that about you yeah uh, it's but it's it's really interesting right now because we have you know this this the the, the guard of journalists that we follow on uh on for american soccer and then there's an up-and-coming class of guys that have come and broken through former players that have done well like a jimmy conrad or a heath pierce that mm. have gotten into the space and then you have these youtubers and you have these young uh, folks younger audience that uh are just getting started but they have an opinion but they people listen to them and uh, 
it's just this, it's, it feels like it's, I know it's still a niche sport by and large, and we are, we're in a bit of an echo chamber, but it feels like there's a lot more mouths to feed. <laughs> I don't know if that's mm -hmm. the best expression. And you've got to, you, you've really got to measure your, your messaging, so to speak. Yeah, no, I do. I think that's true. I think there's a, at least a, like the core of our audience is, um, you know, people who are just obsessed, you know, just obsessed with the national team. And I mean, that's how, that's, that's how the podcast happened is Greg and I are just kind of weirdos. And we're like, re we were really, really obsessed with the national team so much so that we were watching video at like in the middle of the night for, you know, two years straight. And I think that's, uh, that, that, that kind of listener is, is really into what we're doing, but you know, I think, I think the sort of man of the world that you are is probably, I don't know. There's part of me that thinks that that's like, that's something that's more appealing to a broader audience. And so you're, so I look at you and I'm like, I don't know, Max is a little better position than I am. Might have to knock him off. I don't know. <laughs> With very sharp knives, you know, or a, you know, or, or the, the shot from the, the, the grassy knoll. <laughs> uh, I bet it's the, this is interesting. The infatuation of the national team, because everyone wants to kill you with information and we're all watching these players and they're playing everywhere. So it used to be, I'd watch MLS. I'd watch a couple guys in the premier league, this guy over in, in Poland or Belgium. And now it's just yeah. like layer after layer. And it's, it's, I, I, I feel it's going to get really cool to follow them, especially when it comes with success. And I predict some level of success in this world cup later this year. And in 2026, uh, hopefully more than, uh, more than that, more than just your average success where, where it's going, it's going to help get this sport um, really I, I get a better holding where we always talk about it being the next big thing. I think it certainly can. And people who are in the space like us, I think will benefit, but we're still a long way mm -hmm. to go from there. But I, oh, I know in 2018, following the national team wasn't like a badge of, of honor. It wasn't something you did, but is it fair to say these last couple of years is where it's uh do you feel it where it's really taking off more and more people want to have an opinion or watch these games, watch these players? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think the, the stuff we've been talking about for the past, I don't know, three years has been vindicated a lot by the past what's happened in the past year with the player pool, you know, cause that's what, that's what gave us the energy to do the podcast as a side gig was we, we felt strongly that there were a lot of good young players making their way in Europe. There were, we call them lottery tickets, you know, back in the day, Christian Pulisic was the only one, you know, and so the rest of them were lottery tickets. We thought if you have enough lottery tickets, some, some, some of them are going to hit and sure enough, they did. So, yeah, I think, I think that that's been really satisfying to see that come to fruition. And then um, whether that, you know, whether that translates into like broad appeal for the sport right now. I think is a, is a different question. It's not, what do you think is it doesn't feel like it's quite there. I, I, let me tell you, let me give an example. Like I try to talk to my, my, my dad, who's like, he likes soccer. He played soccer in college, but he's not like a soccer guy, you know? And I'll be like, you know, there's these guys, there's Weston McKinney at Juventus, uh, Sergino Dest at Barcelona, Christian Pulisic at Chelsea. This is a new era. We got like, and his, I look over at him, his eyes are glazed over, you know, like the American, <laughs> the American, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. Get out of the way and watch this. I'm watching some TV. Yeah. That's not what your father sounds Hawkeye. like. I was just yeah. no, watching yeah. the Hawkeyes. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, I think like that stuff, like a word, just word like Juventus, which to me just is, it has so much meaning and so much history to it, you know, doesn't mean that much to your average American sports fan and may, may not for a while. I don't know. It's too bad. But I don't think it's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen quickly. Now, if they win a World Cup or, yeah, maybe it, it's going to come to that. It's World Cup success. But I do believe that uh, having players in these exciting destinations and highly publicized games and Christian Pulisic, I mean, the Champions League final was a, a great example of that. It helps because and, and soccer is a sport where we get to know these players a little better because we see them. They're not covered by a helmet. They're not right. in uh, like baseball where you, we don't see them as much or, you know, they're on and they're in the dugout. Uh, it's MB it's an NBA model too, where, you know, the players and they're cool and you kind of follow them. Like it's, it's a small, it's a small layer of that, a spattering of that that's been a smattering of that that's happened 
which I, I think is good if we continue on that on that trajectory where uh, more, but for all indications, it's going to keep going. Another young player, you now Justin Chase, this latest one who's coming in there, uh, of guys uh, making their way there. And I think there will be some connections to the U.S. We always have to reach out to more communities. Again, it's still a it's still a long term play. And I haven't felt an acceleration of interest over the last few years, even though we've gone this. And look, the ratings of these games are, hey, they're you know, all right. You know, the games get shoved around right. a little bit. The TV deals aren't fantastic. There's there's so much room for improvement. But I think, you know, there's a uh, there's something to that. And if I mean, if you have a couple more impacts like Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, I think is there. But I, I, I think you, you said it. Juventus is. We we think that it's uh, it's bigger than life, which it is in the soccer community. But outside of that, um, it's a harder it's right. harder to to make it to convince somebody that that's the biggest of a deal. But these guys are cool, and I have a lot of faith yeah. in them. And it's it's been it's fun to see them develop. Maybe some big publicity rollouts, some marketing plays, you know, billboards in Times Square, whatever it takes, little by little. And I think with a younger audience, that will help. Uh, fortify or ma- help maintain their fandom because we always hear about these young kids that are into it they turn 13 14 and then they go another direction as they get pulled in by other sports that are just bigger here in this country who do you think who do you think's got the most marketable personality on the on this current national team like who's the who's going to be the face of the team it, well McKinney's, not that there's going to be one but no yeah, go ahead. i mean Pulisic just based on that because he was the first because he's played that We'll certainly have it, but he's he's a pretty timid personality. Weston yeah. McKinney, I think, has proven that he could be that guy. I mean, I'm trying to you think of some more. I, Ricardo Pepe, because of his story, and you know, if he can have that success because of the decision he made, I think he is a real lightning rod in that sense because he can lure he could lure in fans from uh, the Mexican families that are might, might be on the the other side of the border that see someone like them that's on this team and that's a big dollar sign attached to it um maybe kind of like chris richards uh because there's guys like he's got a big personality he's got a big personality and he's from alabama and i think when someone goes wait a minute this guy's from alabama yeah it's uh there's some interesting stories out there and they're very uh relatable you know yeah i spent some time i went to uh chris richards uh like his his mom and dad's home in Hoover, Alabama. It's actually only like two and a half hours from where I live. And man, they are the salt of the earth, you know, just like the greatest people. Uh, just, just quietly watching their son play professional soccer in Germany on a Saturday morning. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, you know, you know, nobody knows, nobody, I mean, people know, people know around them, but it is like, you know, if he were like a backup defensive back at Alabama, he'd be like the toast of the town, you know? Right. Well, yeah, was it no, Tanner Tesman like that too? He was a kicker at Clemson. He's from that part of the world too. Is he Alabama from Alabama or South? Yeah, yeah, he's from the Bur- he's from the Birmingham area too. That's know? I mean, that's when it's not an isolated incident. And you know, well, listen, when we think I think Alabama, and by the way, I think Alabama's a wonderful place. I went to school down in Tallahassee, Florida, which was right there in the Panhandle, so Alabama's an hour away. Yeah. And oh, so we you know went, about you went to Florida State. Yeah. Yes, I should have just said that instead of school in Tallahassee. It could have been Florida A and M or something else uh but there's a charm to it and uh it's like many places when you hear about it go oh, alabama I want, but you know th- th- those are the ties that bind a bit and you see these kids that are from there and you can it it, it makes a little it makes it makes it feel a little more sensical in the big picture eh. these are yeah. small things though adam i was these are small things in, in helping grow the sport though but you know the like like having the players be relatable and um I don't know, interesting to the public is um it's, it's something it's, it's gonna be a yeah, it is gonna be something that that matters, you know, when the World Cup rolls around. Because people will start paying attention in October, I think. That's that's when the real wave, I think, of attention is gonna come. I, I think it's gonna be a bigger impact when it happens and we'll see how they fare. But um even in two thousand two when the US had their success, we you know, this was in South Korea and no one expected them to do well. There'll be some expectations for this team to do well because of this European uh, adventure that many of these players have gone on. And we'll talk about that, Europe versus MLS and the players, which has also kind of splintered the fan base in many ways when these selections come rolling around. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, 
there's a, there's certainly some expectations, and there is a there is a uh, certainly an attitude of the team that says that they are they're ready to kind of come together. And I, I this is one thing I will say, whether it, it equates to fandom here in the United States, fans of the sport around the world will be pulled into this team because of the way they play, because they know the guys. So maybe if you're in Germany or England or South Korea or Cameroon, you'd say, oh, I like watching the U.S. play. Many ways, the same way they say, I like the Argentina squad or the Brazil, to a much lesser degree. But they are a fun team to watch. And mm -hmm. I, I think they'll get fans maybe in a more unconventional way, <laughs> people who are not from the United States, maybe Canada, <laughs> maybe Mexico, they'll be fans of the U.S. because they think it's a cool squad. Well, I think given the quality of the players, they, they have the potential to be much more fun to watch than sure. they currently are. You know, that's, that's my, that's my big hope, you know, that they'll, that they'll really put it together that Pepe will, you know, Pepe or maybe one of these other young strikers will really be that striker that can, you know, lead the line and, and, and bang the goal, bang the ball home. Um, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. Hope you know, I always think the next game is going to be that game when we show that, you know, yeah. so I'm, so I'm thinking El, El Salvador on Thursday, eight zero. <laughs> They're good. It's, I, it, I think, I think something like that will happen. I think there'll be this just irresistible effort because they, like you said, they're very close. And when we talk about the players in these positions, even like six months ago, we were so dependent on Christian Pulisic or whomever else, because we didn't have options. But even if Ricardo Pepe isn't the guy, you can lean into some other options, right? I mean, they may not be the guy either, but at least you could say, who else is out there? All right, Josh Sargent, even though he did have these two goals this weekend, maybe he can reach that level uh, on a second attempt. Maybe Daryl DK gets on fire and becomes a 20-goal scorer in England, and he becomes that guy. It, there's not just one option. Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna are out. Tim Weah... Brendan Aronson filled the gap really nicely. Um, it's not a situation where like, okay, if these two or three guys are not there, we're still okay. So, I mean, so it's a little more comforting in that sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I, I think Tim way has emergence as like, as a, a real offensive creator in the past four months is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that's changed for the national team, uh, you know, in the last year or so. I mean, he, did, he, he carried us. He, he was the best player in that Mexico game. Yeah. Well, in that last window, that, really. Yeah, right. Scored that great goal against Jamaica that salvaged us a point. But that, you know, that Mexico game was as close to putting it together as, as you could say we've done under Burhalter, and, um, and a really satisfying win. But still, you know, it, it'd be nice for us to carve out more chances more consistently. So it feels to me like it's all in the final third, you know, like we're, <laughs> we're, our defense is good. Uh, when, when the Musa McKinney Adams midfield is in place, we are just, it's just a buzzsaw midfield and it's all like, you know, refinement in the last 18 yards, really that we're, that I'm hoping for. Yeah. Yunus Musa is another guy who might reach that level. He's so young and like the midfield is solidified to a point where it's a, it, it's a, it, it's something you've, did you can, see, can did you see Musa's goal? Did you see yes. Musa's goal this weekend? Yeah. Pretty yeah. nice goal. Yeah, but playing as well. And you can see his teammates like him. And that's a good club. Valencia is a, maybe not now, but five years ago was a team that made the Champions League or 10 years ago and make runs in the Champions League. So yeah, that's very good. Yeah. But I heard you say, like, you made the joke about the Hawkeyes. I have a friend, this is way <laughs> off a tangent, who's from Iowa. His dad watches Iowa football. He watches Iowa basketball, but he hates the Iowa basketball coach, Fran McCaffrey, so much for whatever reason. This is weird. Uh, yeah, he's it, kind of obnoxious, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He loads this guy because I'm not watching Hawkeye basketball because of that McCaffrey. So it was, it was, uh, it's very odd, but I get, I get a feel of Iowa plus a, uh, a slipknot. You guys. Oh uh, yeah. Not my, game. not my thing, but, but you're not in a slipknot. You're not at knot fest getting your, getting your bang on. No. <laughs> so the, nope, uh, nope, nope. nope, nope. <laughs> you gotta be proud. I putting Iowa on the map. Wait, so is Greg still in Iowa? Correct. Yep, Greg lives in the Des Moines area. Mm -hmm. Okay, and, I'd like to go uh, one you know, day. You've never been to Iowa? No, no. Yeah, it's you know, it's all right. It's a, uh, it's mid, it's the Midwest, bro. You know, um, sure. Des Moines is a nice city. Des I'm Moines sure it's nice charming. City. This is what I, I'm very careful about. You poking fun at places you can go there. Go, 
like Alabama or whatever. He said, no, this was, I had a nice time there. And that's what people say. Yeah. And the people there are nice. And that, that, that carries a lot of weight for me. Yeah. Well, these are, these are big places, you know, I mean, Alabama goes all the way from the mountains to the, you know, down to Tallahassee basically. And the, right. and the Gulf of Mexico, there's a lot of, a lot of people in there. Yeah. Doing a lot of different things, you know, something um, about, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask you're going to, you're going to be calling You're going to be calling LF, LAFC games again this season. I will. So we have, we have, I think 18 games. And then, you know, part of what I do there is just help the club on everything, uh, whether it's help call some EMLS games for our, our, our gamer whose name's called Savvy Panda or doing some community outreach or emceeing event. I just got to stay very active. So the games I want to, I love calling, but sometimes you have to wait for them for a long time, but in order to, to remain in, in good graces with the club, just stay really active, but it's been, they've been great to me and uh, just being in here. And uh, I know a lot of clubs don't have someone in my situation where it's like a staff broadca- broadcaster or whoever, but you know, finding ways to show value there has been pretty satisfying for me. And hopefully that continues and then I can do some other stuff, call some games here, finding work here, there, which is, 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 is tricky, but, uh, uh, and, and time consuming, but it's, it's out there. It's a weird, it's a yeah. weird time in this, in this industry. Cause you know, I went to ESPN and, um, there's more work in, on these networks. Uh, but there's a lot of people looking, looking for these jobs. There's like people, there's folks that came through the soccer space. Cause I, truly when I started, and I went to these channels. Nobody started, said, I want to cover soccer. They covered yeah. other sports. And then they said, okay, I'll do soccer because there's work. I mean, look at ESPN over those years where they've got their top broadcasters who weren't soccer people. You know, and they did a fine job. It was uh, Jack Edwards and then yeah. uh, Dave O'Brien. They called World Cups. I mean, it feels weird now because now there's kids that come up and they say, this is what I want to do, which is it's another breakthrough for this sport. You know, so it's, uh, it's more of a competitive workplace. Um, we still have to work on it. I think we have to work on it by and large the way we cover. We got a, we have a really cool product and I think we kind of, we can show it. I like what you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you have your serious time. You have some fun. You break things down and uh, have intelligent conversations and uh, just those just, kind of things. Yeah, no, I'm just like, I'm, I did, I did color commentary one time for like an NPSL club here and or back in, back in Minneapolis where I used to live. And oh man, it was, I was so bad at it. And it seemed like, it seemed so hard to like, think of something to say, you know, I don't know, every 15 seconds or to know how to like be quiet when you're supposed to be quiet and say something when you're supposed to say something. I'm, I really, you know, people are always complaining about play by play announcers on the internet, you know, like Twitter, people on Twitter (laughs) are always like, I I have felt that iron many times. It's, it's too bad, man, because that's like, uh, I really admire that, you know, I think you do a good job. And I think it's like what you're doing is very, very difficult. Um, how do you do it? How do you prepare? Like, what do you? <laughs> well, uh, just kill yourself with preparation. Once you start doing it, it becomes such a, uh, it becomes such a safe space for you. You go there and you're in your broadcast booth and you're calling this game and you get into your cadence and you're good. But listen, I worked at Fox and we were calling four games a day. So it was wholesale and you get into that spot, but you just want to be prepared. So you just watch a lot of games. I will say you mentioned the analyst role. That's a little tricky because the one thing you have to do, if you see a play and there's a replay and you don't really have something to add, that's you figure is, is really going to help the audience, but you still have to say something. I mean, you shouldn't have the ball goes out of play and they show the replay. You should say, all right, nothing happened but you still have to kind of paint a picture and show why it's important or why it's significant in the flow of the game. But it's, uh, do you have like, do you use like index cards? Or you got like some laminated eight a by and a half by 11s or what? Yeah. And yeah. I just write, I write down everything and I'll have like 20 sheets of paper that are scribbled everywhere. Sometimes I don't even know how I do it. I know that that's always a badge of honor when you see some of the broadcasters with their little lineup cards and they're like they they like feel like they should deliver them to the smithsonian afterwards because it's it's like art form but i'm a mess i wouldn't i wouldn't submit my stuff into anywhere by any means all right it's it's i'll say this adam uh calling soccer games to me is the best because when these other sports when you do it they're they're heavily produced so you have commercials and you have this going on whereas soccer you'll have some direction but generally you you, you know, you point the direct the ship in the direction you want it to go. 
So uh, it's very liberating. So it's a fun, uh, it's a fun thing to do. I mean, some of these sports like baseball, baseball, I don't know how those base baseball's got to be tough. Oh, I don't know. I don't yeah. know how they do it. <laughs> that's taxing. Yeah, that's like trainings uh, rain. Yeah. That like, just call it every pitch. And um, I just realized I, I had my video camera off until just now. Sorry about I looked, that. You, I looked you, you, down. You and talking I looked into the, you're talking into the void and <laughs> here I am. I looked hey, down man. and then I looked up and I, I, I was like kind of taken because all of a sudden there was this figure there. It almost felt very haunting for a moment. <laughs> By the way, are you watching a games uh, at 6 a.m. or whenever to, to see Ricardo Pepe at Augsburg or mm. uh, Weston McKinney Juventus? Because I, I enjoy it. Like we had Watford and Norwich and I go, I got I would never watch this game. But Josh Sargent's play. And it was good. Yeah, scored. that that was a fun one. Yeah, that was um, a fun one. Now, Ricardo Pepe, Saturday morning, not so much fun. And uh, I put in a lot of time. <laughs> lot no, of, that was not good. I, was I didn't watch West that whole Brom. game. Like, I can't watch that. I do a lot of, I do a lot of my, you know, I cover my bases by using Y Scout. You know what that is? No. Should I be? Like a, uh, yeah, I th- it's not, it's a good thing to have. Um so it's like this Italian company or used to, it's, it was an Italian company that uh, acquired by an American company called huddle. Not recently. Um, I mean, pretty recently that uh, collects the clips of like everything a, do- a player does in a specific oh, I should game. Have known like, about this. Um, so it's like every time Ricardo Pepe attempted a pass, you can like go down the list and watch them all. And they, or you can do, and they're just like 15 second clips, you know, or you can watch every time he, completed a pass in the final third i mean it's, it's all kinds of categories so uh we use that um and do you publish those on social lot. media where you show some of the clips because those are very uh, helpful yeah sometimes sometimes i do uh you know you got to be careful with copyright laws of course, of course. depends on which league depends on which league and you got to use that twitter burner um i don't have a twitter yourself. burner i gotta do i gotta find which is the biggest ball busting league uh i mean i've always tested that uh, the, see premier if I, league. the premier league without question uh they're uh, on it like they will they will block uh a video which i never do anymore but sometimes you just you know repost the the video that that nbc or telemundo published but if you ever caught a clip that you something they were they're on it within 10 minutes oh yeah they get you and and i think like the bundesliga is pretty strict too i don't know how strict syria is um it's you know, there's a lot, there's, there's, there's MLS is not strict. MLS isn't very strict, which is good. No, that is a good thing. They want, they, they apparently have made the decision to rather than, rather than protect their footage very carefully, they're going to allow the game to grow, which I think is the right call. Well, that's them. what the NBA did. And, and, and even NFL, I mean, if you publish, if you filmed a clip of the NFL off your TV and you put it on your social media handles, they won't block it. And I think it's done them well because it's just, saturating the uh, saturating those handles so that you have so more the, nfl more nba the nfl followed the nba's lead on that is that is that basically what happened i, I couldn't tell you for sure but i think the i think you're right i think the nba was the first because there were these services that were starting where they showed nba highlights and there's guys that just published these highlights and uh they have huge followings now because uh people tune in for this and uh, Listen, if you yeah, can do that, that, that guy's probably should do that. Worldwide Wob. Worldwide Wob. Um, House of Highlights was kind of like that as well. And, you know, the guy from House of Highlights is now like the social media ex, you know, VP at ESPN. He does all the social media there. So it's not a bad, uh, not a bad uh, landing didn't spot. You, didn't USMNT only come out of that world too? Yeah. Arthur Kogan? He, and yeah. he does amazingly. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of traffic on those sites. Kogan's a Kogan's a sharp guy, you know. He figured he 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 figured out the formula, you know. Um, I admire that. I don't I don't have that. I don't have that. It's sense a lot of, of work. Like how to tweet? Yeah, right. It's a lot of work. But I mean, there's going to be technical technological breakthroughs with the way we absorb it. Uh, I love what Chris does with some of his, and he's got this really nice, you know, deadpan explanation but there it's laced with humor in these videos that he publishes about players i was saw one the other day i can't remember i can't draw but it was very well produced and yeah it's smart he's good he is yeah he's a smart guy 
glad to have him helping us out with the podcast. Look at you guys are becoming an empire. So uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about this national team uh, again. Uh, the the we'll talk about the roster. I was listening to your last podcast, and that was basically what you guys were talking about. And I, I you know I brace myself because I know everyone's going to go. Here's the roster, and we're going to be upset about this and this and this the MLS versus Europe dilemma and like this huge number of MLS players because yeah, Greg, Ber I mean, Greg Berhalter is going to pick guys that he feels comfortable with. I think every manager does that. So I don't want to, I don't want to uh, pick, pick away at those kind of decisions. Uh, so Joe Scally, John Brooks at the top of the list of people who weren't, I mean, was there anyone beyond that? I mean, I, I mentioned Tim Ream, but nobody wants Tim Ream, even though he deserves a call up. I would love yeah. to focus on the, the group of guys that are going to get the results, who are going to be on the field in these important moments against El Salvador, Honduras, and obviously Canada. And I think they have a group that can get the results, seven points, wherever that is, six, seven, nine yeah. points. But it's yeah. uh, uh, – I, I feel like we get so wound up about who doesn't, doesn't make it that we kind of lose sight of it. And we're getting very uber critical for – it could fall apart for the U.S., but generally they've they've done well. They should be doing better on the road, but they've – kept their head above water, certainly better than four years ago. I'd love to yes. see Joe Scally and, and John Brooks, for that matter, probably head of Mark McKenzie, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into a shouting match over it, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I, so I'm probably like halfway between you and the shouting match folks on it. I think <laughs> they shout sometimes, um, and some guys, you're a little bit been out of shape. Right. Yeah, I think John, John Brooks' omission is a mistake. However... Well, first of all, I think Scally's, I'm not, I'm much less exercised about Scally's omission. You know, I think, it, I think it'd be nice to have him in the camp. I don't think he's like, I don't, I don't know. He's a good player. He, maybe he could prove himself. Burhalter decided, Burhalter had him in the last camp, decided he didn't want him back. Uh, maybe it's partly because he's coming back from COVID, just, you know, struggled a little bit this past weekend. I don't know. Scally's, I'm fine with. Brooks, I think, is a mistake. However, you could you could make an argument for why Brooks shouldn't be there. He's slow. Brooks is a slow man, yeah. and he gets he gets uh, he gets he gets worked um, one on one or in in the open field. You see him in the open field. He's basically he's he's basically dead in the water if you got him against the speedy player in the open field. And maybe that's all it is for Berhalter. He says like we're gonna be we're gonna be pushing up. We're gonna be trying to pin people back. There's gonna be opportunities for counterattacks. We need center backs who can cover ground and not get, um, you know, left for dead. It might be that simple. And that's not a crazy point of view for if that is, in fact, Burhalter's point of view. Ber what we know Burhalter has said is that it's because of Brooks's form, which is kind of a catch all could be could mean anything, you know. So I, I think it's a mistake because Burhalter because Brooks is so good at um, passing out of the back. You know, he's our best passing center back, in my opinion. And um, he's going to be able to break a team down from deep. Uh, I don't think I don't think Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman or even Chris Richards can do that. So I like I wish he was in this camp, but I can you know if I'm playing if I'm trying to put myself in Berhalter's shoes and come up with a charitable sort of rationale, it's possible to do so. So I like those. I guess, I, I guess that's how I look at it. I like the three guys you mentioned, and if they eat up all the minutes of these three games, which is probably not that likely because you have three games in seven days, but if it's a combination of Robinson, Zimmerman and Richards, say it's Robinson. And, yeah. It's Robinson Zimmerman's in the first game and then say Robinson and Richards. And they may say Richard Zimmerman. Okay. There you go. Uh, the problem for Burhalter is if there is COVID or an injury, uh, God forbid, and then it gets a little thin. I, he put himself in a bit of a situation where he doesn't have those experienced players to maybe be the fourth or fifth. Because when we talk about Brooks or Brooks Lennon or John Brooks, these are friend, these are guys that are likely not going to play or play very little. If Joe Scally was there, same kind of situation. He's in good position yeah. if he can get away with playing the 17, maybe 18 guys over three games. Now, the last time they had this format where it was home away home, they had the seven changes in the Panama game. Uh, I, I just don't think that would happen again, but he mentioned it in his press conference that, you know, it's a, it's a closer flight and we're not, so it's not going to stretch these players too much, but it's, it's a lot of wear and tear on these games. And at the end of the day, the U S advantage over El Salvador Honduras would be dead depth. You have depth that they can't even can only dream about. 
So that's the only right. thing I think with Burrow. I, I think if he can stick with the 17, 18 guys, the U.S. are going to have a nice window. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm, I feel good. I feel confident. Um, I, was, I, was, I even had a song banging around in my head about a nine-point window. I was singing it to my one-year-old uh, while I was making him lunch. How did it so go? I'm thinking I'm, I'm a nine-point window. Oh, it went great. He, he loved it. I, did you I have a guitar or you just sang it like a cappella? I was just singing. Yeah, just singing. <laughs> Switch nice. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling so that so I, that's the vibe, man. I'm I'm thinking nine point window. I know you're not we're not supposed to say that, right? We're not supposed it's to be cocky like that, but look, they have to beat El Salvador Honduras at home. They those these are two teams that are flagging at this point and not gonna qualify. So don't have that much to play for. Yeah. No, the Canada one was one I'd say they'd lose, but two things have emerged. Alfonso Davies is not gonna play, and I think Eustachio might not play. Right. And it's not going to be as cold as we thought, it, at least from, I mean, I don't, we can't tell the weather a week away, but I was saying it was going to be negative degrees, this, that, but now I looked and it's like going to be probably in 20 and it's, it, it's going to be in the afternoon. So it's not going to late afternoon. So it's not going to have the real frigid stuff. It's still going to have an artificial surface. But I think those two, three, three things put the U S in a position where they should get something seven point window yeah. and they're qual- seven point window. They're going to the world cup. Yeah, most, uh, most probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I still you just made me crap myself. Most probably. <laughs> we just we got to see that. Well, I think you guys were talking about, it's like this watching Panama and what they do. You know, yeah, that's, that's like, that's really that. the thing we got to check. We got to get our results and see if Panama kind of fall off the back wheel here. And that would allow you to feel comfortable that you're going to finish in the top three. That's, you know, that's one thing I've, this is my, this is, uh, this is the qualifying campaign I've paid the most attention to, you know, in my life. Um, and, and man, what a rich experience it all is, you know, the, like watching Panama go through it, watching Canada beat Mexico. I mean, I wish more American sports fans were into it. Cause it's like, it's so fun. It the, is the octagonal. Yeah. Look, um, Anna, when, when we get into this and we get, I get to do some content, whatever I want to call it here with you or you, when this rolls around, I mean, I, I am a, a giddy schoolboy at this point, uh, excited about, you know, the permutations about what's going to happen. And, and then also to have that, those national uh, pride being pulled in here and seeing that in these stadiums, which we will in Columbus and Minnesota, it's uh it's a very cool, yeah. it's a very cool aspect. What do you, what do you, you met, you asked me the question, who do you think are these guys that maybe in this window that you will, will emerge as maybe it's a couple guys, maybe it's a pairing that you think will help get this job done. Mm. Well, I, Tim way, had a, a really nice performance over the weekend and um, for Leal in a two zero loss for his team, but he played well. He, he, and he, he started, got, right? Yeah. Yeah. So his first start since, December 3rd, I believe it's been a while and that could timing could not be better. So he, not only did he start played really well, I think he's this game on Thursday. He should start uh, given the way he looked over the weekend. And I think he's going to be ready to go him on one end, him on one side, Pulisic on the other side, probably Pepe up front. We should score goals. We should score a lot of goals on Thursday, you know, a couple at least. And, um, so who's who who's gonna be the? I mean, I think I think McKenny. I expect big things from McKenny Wea, McKenny and Wea in particular, and um, and it sure would be nice for Pepe to you know get at least a couple of goals in this in this window That'd just to give him the confidence. Yeah. This um, I, when I look at the lineup and you were kind of going through guys, I guess, I don't think there's too many with the with regards to the starting eleven in that first game which is probably the biggest game because if you win that, then the pressure's off for Canada. I don't want to say the pressure's off, but I mean, if you don't win on the road, it's not a death sentence by any means. But I mean, you mentioned it. I go, maybe Aronson comes in for Wea, or probably not Pulisic. Maybe Richards comes in for Zimmerman. And that's about it. I think that's the, the 11th. There's no goalkeeper. It's Zach Steffen in goal now. And Anthony Robinson. I believe that's correct. Yeah. Right. And then, and then Anthony Robinson and then Sergio Des, who did play here, which I was so relieved to see him in the Barcelona 11 because of everything we've heard there. And it's been very toxic at that club. Wonderful news that he got the start and went 90. Um, he did. So, I mean, these, these, are, these are, I don't think there's, I mean, I'd be, I'm pretty confident that 
I could get at the very least nine starters right, probably 10. But then I want to see the people go up in arms if Paul Ariola, who's going to slip in there, I'm sure. And I don't have an issue with him. I like him. He's a vertical runner. He does a job. He does it well. But for some reason, it just rubs people the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the the I guess the best case scenario would be like that. I think I think you're right. the The starting eleven is pretty easy to predict outside of you know which center back. What's the center back pairing going to be? And that's out of those three that we mentioned earlier. Um, but the the best case scenario is we we do hang a few goals on El Salvador in the first half and then just cruise and get, you know, get Pulisic off at the half, get way off at the half, um, you know, get these guys some rest, get maybe get Adams some rest, uh, give them 30 minutes of rest or something. And then we'll have basically everybody as the same starting lineup versus Canada. And then, you know, by the time we get to Honduras, it's just going to be, it's just going to be hopefully gravy. And, um, by the way, I saw and, the weather. And, and, yeah, go ahead. What about the Sorry, weather? I saw the I weather saying. in Minnesota, and it is going to be gnarly. That one at yeah. night. That's going to be gnarly. It'll be it'll be below ten easily, right? And single digits. Um, that's not good. That's not, I'm going to be there. <laughs> uh, Greg's going to be there too. Oh, nice. So, um, I'm trying to go to Canada because I have like somewhere, and I'm going to try and do some reports on this. But I haven't bought my ticket yet. I actually bought one. I had to cancel it. Because going to Canada right now is just, it's asking for trouble. I was reading, there's 800 oh, like things the, could the go protocols. wrong. Well, there's yeah. the protocols. I mean, I, I'll clear them all. But then there's also the, uh, uh, I mean, it's even a situation now where there's someone there at the border who can make a decision whether you're, they allow you in or not. And plus, the weather's been so bad, a lot of flights have been canceled. So I could see myself sitting at Chicago O'Hare going, I'm spending my weekend here trying to go into one of these uh, air, <laughs> airport bars to watch this game. So yeah, I have, I have so you, to, so I, I have to like, I'm still might, there's still an outside okay. chance. I would love to do it so I could film some things all bundled up and, you know, people can laugh at me, you know, like, yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. You should, you should, you should make it happen. Well, maybe if I don't, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll do Minnesota. We'll see. Uh, but I haven't really I'm prepared. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be I, I chose Minnesota. Days. Yeah. 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 I chose Minnesota cause I have a lot of people there, you know, just moved, yeah. just left there like a year ago and um, feel like I can get a good crowd out for our pre-party. Good. <laughs> get them going get them lubed up. Yeah. Shots. Boom. Get Vaseline <laughs> on the face and everything, oh. you know, uh, who was that? The, the coach of Connecticut basketball did that. They had this video on him and he would just pack on Vaseline on his face and go for a jog <laughs> in the morning. He goes, I love it. I go, do you really love it? Is this something you want to do at 6 a.m. in Connecticut? I mean, I just don't believe you. I don't. You do, I'm not buying that this is this is how this is, doesn't get any better than this. But he made it feel that way, which is amazing. Yeah. What, well, what about well, you us? know? I should say I should say one one th- one more thing about Minnesota weather. You know, it's really it is as you know, it's very very cold there. Probably the coldest place in the country outside of Alaska. And um, the thing is, if you're outside doing something that is active and where you're like sort of taking it on on the winter and you're like facing it it's it can be okay it can be really fun to go out and shovel a snow like shovel a sidewalk because you're because you're building you're building up a lot of heat in your body yeah and you're facing it down but but standing there and watching a soccer game or sitting and watching a soccer game is not one of those activities so you're so it's (laughs) it's gonna be a little different yeah, you know? you're sitting there and you can't bring in like some brandy to maybe warn you up in the middle of you. Who unless says you hide you unless you said well, you maybe maybe you could hide it in a body orifice, which has happened in the past, I'm sure. Uh, and you could do that, but maybe, maybe the the security will, you know, yeah, cast a blind eye. What about Azteca in March? Any plans on getting down there? Yeah, I plan to go. Okay, sure. me too. Yeah. I may not be able to stay for the game, but I plan on getting there early in the week and do some stuff. And what Mexico, we have to pay attention to Mexico. There's a question marks. I mean, they have a bunch of home games coming up. And then we'll, that March 24th game is going to be significant for one, if not both of these countries. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's also great to see this new rivalry with Canada develop. It's a game changer in this region because, you know, Canada has these resources, has these players playing at a, an elite level, the best two players in the region, in my estimation, and many others. So, but this Mexico. Wait, is, who are the two best players? It's Davies, uh, Davies and, and David. David. Okay. So, I mean, I know David. It's he. It's a loose two, but I just think he's done enough. Although he hasn't done a lot in the last month or so. 
But Mexico, you think Jonathan David's? I don't want to. I don't want to get into a hot argument with you though. But let's do it. But let's you think, argue. You think you think David's a better player than Weston McKinney right now? This last month, you can't. McKinney's been irresistible. So I, I think if it's a fluid uh, ratings, that McKinney probably goes up to it right now. But when okay. David was scoring those goals, I, I just and, and and granted, David has not played as well for Canada that the way McKinney has for the U.S. So I think that those two aspects, those two put together, probably give McKinney a, a bump. I thought Dest was way up there maybe a year ago. So it's a it, it moves around a lot. Davies is the clear number one. It is every everything's fluid, isn't it? Um, but notice I, I haven't Dest- said any I haven't said any Mexican players in there. I mean, if you do a top 10 list, there's probably, there's going to be one, maybe two Mexican players. Maybe three. Yeah, uh, May, yeah. Al- Alvarez, uh, I'd put him in the top Alvarez 10. for um, sure. And then it's like uh, Tecatito and Chucky Lozano, who haven't. Yeah, Chucky been- Lozano scored a really nice goal the other day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's the, changing. The pecking order is changing. And it is. But they Mexico, need some new blood. Yeah. I mean, they're gripping. People are gripping up there because they're seeing all these Americans go play in Europe and play in important games and Mexican player. And part of it is the, the Mexican league, you know, there there's money there. So go far be it for me to that, tell someone that, to make less money somewhere else. Right. That was, a, that was one of the most satisfying things about the win in Cincinnati was seeing Ache Ache, you know, finally kind of humbled. Cause I, I think that felt like a, a, a passing of the torch, you know, because he he definitely he definitely got the better of Weston McKinney back in the 2019 Gold Cup. I don't know if you remember that, but he and yeah. he and Jonah Dos Santos both. But um, you know, Dos Santos is nowhere to be found anymore. And um and Ache Ache was he looked like an old man in that game. So that was that was very satisfying for me. <laughs> They're further even though I, I respect yeah, I respect Mexico a lot. You know, me too. Like a, I I root for them, I root for them at the World Cup if they're not playing the US. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I, I'm a big, you know, CONCACAF. I wanted to do well. I mean, my heart broke when I saw Panama just getting pasted in the last World Cup. I was like, yeah, this isn't good. That's no good. But maybe the next World Cup, maybe we have four teams. Maybe we have yeah. two teams make the round of 16. Maybe one makes the quarterfinals. These aren't far-fetched ideas. Yeah, Canada yeah. can make some noise, man, if they get everybody healthy. Yeah. For sure. I think they can. The problem is their ranking might put them in a one of those gnarly pots. But uh, we shall see. Uh, Adam, what a delightful conversation. This is one of my podcasts I want to be. Sit down. It's have a, a real football chit chat and uh, maybe get a little, both, both of us get a little smarter along the way. So I appreciate your time and thanks for joining me here in the business end of the soccer OG. Thank you, Max. My pleasure. All right. Come to Minnesota. Okay. Maybe I'll see you in Minnesota. I'll surprise you, but we'll see what we can do. We'll be back here on the soccer OG with much more. And the stoppage time is next. now for stoppage time i will encourage you to go over to my youtube page under max bretos and check out my rollout for the breakdown of the u.s men's national team roster 28 men selected by greg berhalter for games coming up this week on the 27th against el salvador in columbus ohio so the 27th is thursday sunday they'll be in hamilton ontario to take on canada and then the following february the second which is a wednesday honduras in uh st paul minnesota minnesota uh alliance arena there so this is it six games to go you get the right results here, and then you are in great position. There'll be some scoreboard watching as we talk to Adam about seeing what Panama does. If you can t- get them off your back wheel, and you know, I, I don't know who would drop out, possibly Mexico. I think you know Mexico, as I've told you in the past on my YouTube, so just check it out, and here on the podcast, I think Mexico is going to finish first because they have all these home games coming up for their next six, for their last five will be at home. And although we've been wowed by their roster selection, it's good enough. They need some guys to step up. Uh, They need better goalkeeping. 
They need someone to step up in the back line. They need that exciting trio up front that we've kept, you know, treated with, with much um, worship in many cases with Raul Jimenez, Tecatito, and Chucky Lozano. They need one of those guys to kind of step up here. I think they will. I think they will. The midfields, which has gotten a little older, and we talked about it with Adam as well, and how the U.S. has kind of flicked the switch to be the best midfield in CONCACAF. I don't think, we, I don't think it's arguable right now. You, know, you think about Herrera and Guardado. They're on the back end. Guardado's almost at the end, although he's been playing well for Real Betis. Real Betis has been one of the better stories in Europe. Uh, Canada come in with some concerns. Alfonso Davies out. Eustachio's likely out now, I was reading today. It's not going to be as cold in Hamilton as you thought, so it could take away a bit of an advantage. It's also an afternoon game. So the United States, they do have a shot, as we talked about, to possibly get nine points. You know, I said it was six. I'm going to put it at seven now because of the situation with Canada, although I would not underestimate Canada. There's a spirit about them that you cannot underappreciate. It is, it's there regardless of Alfonso Davies is there or not. And we've seen it when they didn't have Jonathan David and other guys, they still delivered. So... 28-man roster. And as I talk to my YouTube, and we, we get caught up, and I understand it. And, you know, it's fun. It is fun to discuss who got snubbed, who made the, the final roster. We should do it. As soon as it's released, that's the first order of business. Who's not there that should have been? So, I mean, we, we generally, we, we, we beat it over the head here in this country more. And I know they do it in every country, but it feels like it's more so here. And it's part of the engagement of the fan base. The young fan base really loves the national team. And they take a lot of pride in seeing everybody play. Everyone. It's a huge commitment. And if you get into this, you'll probably do the same. So you'll watch players in Germany, the Premier League, France, Belgium, Norway, Denmark, Mexico. You'll watch them all play. Uh, we have saw the... the, the, the uh, the chasm between Major League Soccer and European-based players. There's also this, and I don't put too much gas on this thing, about uh, a number of MLS players that have to be on the, the national team. I think we're seeing a shift towards the European players. There's still a group of MLS players on the back end of the roster. And there's those players that just make people's eyes roll. Sebastian Legette at the top. He's the poster boy, right? Paul Ariola, Jossie Zardes, Christian Roldan. Tim Ream was part of that. By the way, Tim Ream was the biggest snub here. Tim Ream has been incredible for Fulham. Yes, he's old. But how do we, what is the criteria for selection? Is it form? I thought it was. Is it history of past games? Someone had a stinker so he can't get back? Uh, is it, obviously it is part of being um, in the good graces of the coach. You have a lot of body of work. Having been there many times before is going to help you get back. Most national teams aren't going to bring guys that haven't had a taste of World Cup qualified. It's certainly not in the final six games in the business end, as I like to call it. All that is uh, situ data that you go into here. Now, when we talk about the selections for Greg Perhalter, you got to remember some of these players, if they're not the best player, they, they will have uh, traits that would get them on this team. A, good teammate. Hey, they're a glue guy. C, they play well with a certain player. Um, they train well. They set a good example. Little things like that that a coach might think would be valuable. I don't know if it is. But you talk to coaches and, you know, they're a very specific bunch. They'll tell you how they have a system and they abide by it. So the players that didn't make it, the top two, I mean, Luca Della 28-man roster allowed more players to be selected so that there wasn't going to be much criticism. But there was. It circles around Joe Scally and then John Brooks. And John Brooks got off the team, hasn't played well, playing better, playing for a team that's struggling. He obviously has a good skill set, slow as molasses. I would have liked to see him in there. I would have liked to see Joe Scally in there. He's done enough to do it. Now, just because I would have liked to see them, I'm not going to sit here and pout and yell because they're not on the team. Because quite frankly, neither would probably play. Maybe... As, as again, we've talked with Adam. You have three center backs that I think are going to eat all the minutes in those three games. Maybe a fourth will get in there for a little bit. Mark, maybe Mark McKenzie plays a spell. Maybe in that last game. That would have been John Brooks's role. But I, everything I've heard from Greg Berhalter, I think he's keeping it close to the vest. Three games in seven days is a lot. 
But, and he's talked about players not playing a lot of games, certainly not the MLS players. But because the proximity of the three games and not too many injury concerns, right? Tim Way is back. Gio Reyna really the only one, and we hope we see him in the next cycle. That those core players are going to perform a lot. I, I, same for those three players in the midfield. Maybe Kellen Acosta gets in. Maybe Luca Della Torre gets a sniff. The attack, you have Pulisic, Pepe, Weah, and then Aronson will either start or Weah, and then a fifth guy, maybe Jesus Fededa. That's it. So I get it. We should argue about it. And But this isn't a developmental situation for the U.S. This is qualifying for the World Cup. Let's remember that. We are watching these teams qualify for the World Cup. It's not to get some experience for Joe Scali or Brooks Lennon or whatever. These guys, some guys are on the squad and it's you know, playing for your national team is the gold standard. So I just, I, I like to proceed it with some positivity. Now, if they fall on the face, bring out the knives. But I just don't think they're going to, I just don't see that happening. I see a team that's already proven they're just clinical at home against anyone, exception of that Canada game to a lesser degree. And... Six points will be satisfying, not enough, I I imagine, in the eyes. But six points, you win your home games. If you win your home games, you're qualifying for the World Cup. I'm sure many of you guys will be out there. Have a great time. And uh, we will have some content around these games on YouTube and here. This is the Soccer OG. I appreciate all you guys tuning in. I promise to get more great guests in these next 50 episodes. As always, at the end of the day, I always like to say... Palacio Domingo.